Welcome to Agatha Christie, She Watched, our spoiler-heavy look at the movie and TV adaptations of the mystery genre's greatest writer. I'm Bill Peschel of Peschel Press, publisher of the annotated novels of Agatha Christie, and today we're talking about Egyptian queens, gossip kings, snooping party guests, and adoptions gone wrong. It's The Mirror Cracked from Side to Side from 2010, starring Julia McKenzie as Miss Marple and Joanna Lumley as Dolly Bantry. But first, let me introduce my partner in marriage, as well as crime of the fictional kind, Teresa Peschel. Hello, Teresa. How are you doing today? Hello. It's always a pleasure to be here with you under the stairs. We're a little late getting started on our podcast today. Not that it matters to any of you folks listening to the six months after recording. But Sasha had joined us and she was being incredibly cute and, and amusing as she tried to figure out how to get out of the office through the curtain. But she did it. And she left us all alone, all alone, like poor Margot Bence. Sasha abandoned us. Just like Marina McGreg did to Margot Bence and her brother. And this is a good way of getting into the mirror cracked from side to side. Yes, we have seen this film now four times. There are four separate adaptations that I know of that we have seen as part of the annotation. The first one is, of course, the Angela Lansbury one. Angela Lansbury doesn't make the best Miss Marple, and that has nothing to do with her, and that is because when you see her, all you can think of is Jessica Fletcher, because she filmed The Mirror Cracked in 1980, and like two or three years later, she became Jessica Fletcher, and you just can't get past that. But that version is absolutely stunning because it has Elizabeth Taylor and Kim Novak and Rock Hudson and Tony Curtis in that movie. And when you see Elizabeth Taylor on screen, you instantly understand why Heather Badcock would break quarantine, slap on makeup, and go fangirl all over Elizabeth Taylor. Of all of the versions I've seen, Elizabeth Taylor makes you understand why someone would do this. Because as a viewer, you already have that idea of glamour from her because you see Elizabeth Taylor and you see Cleopatra and see, you know, National Velvet and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Wolf and hundreds of other movies. Butterfield <laughs> 8, that's when she was young and in her prime playing a prostitute. Oh, yes, where she wore a slip through most of the movie and made mm. a slip, you know, almost respectable as outerwear. That movie set the stage for what Agatha did not do in the novel. In the 1980 The Mirror Cracked, Margot Bence is given a credit in Internet Movie Database, and she does not have one single scene on screen, not even a line of dialogue. Whatever that actress did was left on the cutting room floor. So Margot Vence, who was one of the adopted children of Marina Gregg, was completely disappeared because, hey, who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Let's have more uh, catfighting between uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Yes, let's have more catfighting between Elizabeth Taylor and Kim Novak. And that's the reason you watch that movie, because that movie explains star power. Then we saw the Joan Hickson, The Mirror Cracked, which was considerably more faithful. And they had Claire Bloom starring as Marina Gregg. And Claire Bloom may be a respected actress, but she does not exemplify star power nobody is going to get up out of their sick bed, take some aspirin to kill the fever, slap on makeup to cover the rash, break quarantine, and fangirl all over the stage door for Claire Bloom. There are some good things about that movie. 
But again, that movie really screwed over Margot Benz because you see scenes at the beginning. This is the Joan Hickson mirror cracked where you see Margot Benz at the Fet. She is taking pictures. You see her go to church to pray. You see her take off her wig, which she was using as a disguise, and then essentially Margot disappeared because, hey, who cares what happened to the children that Marina Gregg adopted and then dumped when she didn't need them as props in her life anymore? And so once again, Margot Bent was given short shrift in a way that she was not in the novel. But it's also worth pointing out that when the child survives, the uh, compromised child, we get scenes of her visiting the child. Only once, and I will get to that. But always again, we're getting excuses for how Marina Gregg is so special and she's so talented and she's so beautiful and she's lived such a dramatic, tormented, difficult life and she's so overwhelmed and so we have to make special allowances for her and I want you to substitute the name Harvey Weinstein, (laughs) even though he's not a beautiful person. But in Hollywood, if you are a rich and powerful and famous and beautiful, but most especially if you're powerful, you can do whatever you damn well please and everyone will make excuses for you. And that's what they do with Marina Gregg. Everyone makes excuses for her. We did see this once before at the very beginning of the Agatha Project, and now, of course, we've watched it again. But before I go into this, I want to remind everyone that we also saw the Japanese version of The Mirror Cracked. That version of all four versions is the only one that really gives serious screen time to Margot and her brothers. And you actually get to see them being driven off in the taxi while Marina Gregg sobs her crocodile dears because she knows she's going to be able to use this emotion in an upcoming film of having her children wrenched away from her. But she arranged it. She arranged that. She wanted to feel those feels, and so she did. And she used those kids. And so now here we are at the 2010 Mirror Crack. This is the one, one of ITV's. ITV is very, sometimes they're absolutely wonderful and sometimes they're absolutely dreadful. And sometimes they're a real mix, mishmash of absolutely wonderful and absolutely dreadful. And they did a very, very good job with Mirror. They did actually give Margot some screen time. But once again, she was kind of relegated to the background when Bill was trying to find a good clear close-up of Margot for Agatha Christie. She watched the uh, the book that we're putting together. Margot is always at best in the middle ground. You never get a close-up on her face. Margot does get an opportunity to talk. And even though Miss Marple has a scene with Inspector Hewitt about the things that children remember and how sad and how grief-stricken you can be remembering this particular incident decades later. No one ever says to Margot what Marina Gregg did was wrong. And Margot never gets to tell anyone that Marina Gregg did, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing the novel very roughly, Marina Gregg did the cruelest thing you could ever do to another human being. You tell them that they are special and wanted and loved and then you tell them that it was all a sham. Again, Margot got disappeared because, oh, Marina Gregg is so special and so fabulous and so wonderful. And yes, we do see Marina grieving over her handicapped son and seeing him sitting there in his little wheelchair at the at the special care home. And she's sobbing. and Oh, I'm your mother. And all I can think is all of the millions of women who have had severely handicapped children 
And the vast majority of them do not fall apart like that, especially when they have the money to provide anything that needs to be done. But not her. Marina Gregg gets a pass. And remember, we saw her on that Nefertiti stage set, and she was causing the problem <laughs> with the reciting of the lines. Yeah. It wasn't her hunky young co-star who looked really put upon. That was her. And she didn't care that she had an entire cast, an entire film lot of people whose jobs depended on her remembering what her lines were and being professional. And this is just the way she's constituted. You know, she is she is who she is. And then, yeah, there are some people who are perfectly capable of dealing. They deal with the problems that are set before them. Didn't Miss, it was Miss Marple or what? No, it was uh, Jason Todd, Jason Rudd, her husband, who said something about her real enabling life, husband, her enabling husband, because he's a film director and he fell in love with Marina. God knows how. God knows how or why, but he did. <laughs> Remember, he dropped Lola Brewster. <laughs> Statuesque, six foot tall redhead. Va-va-voom. <laughs> with a va-va-voom <laughs> figure. Boy, um, some people can handle real life and some people can't. And to him, it's just, you suffer a tragedy, you work, you go on. Because I think he was having trouble with the film production as well. And he was running the film production. You know, I've never actually been on a film set, so I have no idea how much they faked any of that. But it looked real. It felt real. And he was trying to keep things moving and going and making every decision that a director has to make because he's the person in charge. Right. That's the one who there's this wonderful scene in the studio where I think it was Inspector Hewitt was it was questioning him. Inspector Hewitt, by the way, played by Hugh Bonneville, who was uh, his lord in Downton Abbey. So, oh, that's why he looked vaguely familiar. That's right. You saw him in the Downton Abbey movie. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, I was so, thinking he was in one of the other Agathas. <laughs> might have been, but he's, this is where we know him more. And they're walking around the set, the Nefertiti set, and he's trying to interview Jason. And Jason is being approached by the costume designer. He's being approached by the assistants. And I seem to remember, I've heard a director talking about this because they're the ones in charge. They have to pass judgment on everything. Is this sketch of the costume right? Is this what you want? Because he's in charge. And and, and you, it's his vision of what's going to end up on the screen, yeah, for and, good or ill. Yeah. And directors set the tone because I guess if the director didn't want to do that, he would just pass it off. Okay, look, you're head of costumes. You do the job. Some directors can delegate it. Obviously, Jason Rudd is not, so he gets approached by everybody. And this is the way he wants it. So the director sets the tone for the whole shoot. So, and yet he did not set the tone in reigning in his own wife about, you know, Marina, maybe you should have rehearsed your lines a few more minutes so we could actually shoot this screen, <laughs> this this scene. Because when you see scene 48, take 19. Yes, that was bad. That That's was clearly a sign of a troubled production because we've seen out. I like seeing outtakes from that. And usually when they flub a line, they keep rolling. They keep doing it. They go over it again. They back it up. But they always stay professional, at least when they the ones they release online. Because <laughs> let's let's face it. Uh, was it um, 21 uh, Jump Street? No, I wasn't thinking of 21 Jump Street. I was thinking about God, I can't think of the actor now. Kale. Uh, he, he was the guy is, he, he had the tantrum on the set. Oh no, you did it wrong. Well, why don't we, he was, um, God, he, uh, he, 
I, I just can't remember his name, but he's... If you could give me a clue about the movie, I might about, be able to tell I you. I don't remember the movie, but he was actually in... I, I'm trying to think of one you saw because he played the serial killer in the... Uh, I'm really losing it. <laughs> Absolutely, really losing. I may just have to cut cut this out. But um, oh no, 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 no! <laughs> this okay. is the real thing. This is a real thing. Male actor. He he is a respected actor. He played in one of the Marvel movies recently. I think it was the Thor movie that bombed because he was the bad guy in that one. But he was also he played the serial killer in the uh, Brett Easton Ellis movie all those years ago. American Psycho. That was it. It was American Psycho. And he was taped. Somebody had taped him. There was like a lighting guy who screwed up a take. And he just went to I town on him. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, we will ask uh, ask, ask, Internet ask, Google, Movie da- ask, ask Internet Movie Database for it. You know, who is our Christian Bale. That was it. It was Christian Bale. Oh, Newsies. Oh, <laughs> you remember? Oh, really that important young. role. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know. Maybe he got, maybe he went off on there. But yes, you Google Christian Bale uh, rant on set and it was released online. It was very notorious. But that's unprofessional. But that's very unprofessional. And so there's Marina so, Gregg trying to do another comeback movie, Nefertiti and... Uh, <laughs> God help us. God help us. Which is what they would do back then, because remember, this was in the mid-50s, and Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor was like 63 or so. Oh, yeah, it was 63. Yeah, the show, they would have made a Nefertiti, you know, a sword and sandal epic with a big movie star. It looked odd to see the blonde, you know, a blonde who was way too old for the part. <laughs> playing Nefertiti you could see every one of her crow's feet <laughs> oh and the camera the camera heightened that up and I think that's part of considering Marina Gregg's disintegration because we're seeing her fall apart and part of it is it's not just the fact that she had the uh she the had adopted child. the kids and had the handicapped child and apparently she had gone gone away for a while and she had just scored in Marie Antoinette which in the scene we saw at the beginning was also about a mother whose children were being taken away her her his her child. Yes, and I'm sure she completely channeled every feeling that she had when she said to little Margot and little Angus, bye, I'll never see you again. I took you from your mother's because I needed to have props in my life and I don't care anymore because I'm going to have a real baby of my very own. And so you were just a dress rehearsal. See ya. Yeah. So if you have any sensitivity or any empathy when you're watching this performance throughout the entire uh, movie. You're no, she is not a nice person. She is not. And you can't really necessarily take seriously what Lola Brewster says because Lola doesn't like her. And Lola knows that she used to be Jason Rudd's main squeeze. And then uh, Marina stole Jason or Jason went after Marina. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but Lola got tossed aside. You can't really take Vincent Hogg seriously about what he says about it was hell on earth. And I'm being kind to hell when I'm uh, expressing Vincent- this fully when he talks about his married life to Marina. And you can't take seriously what Ella Blunt, Jason Rudd's secretary, says about what a monster Marina Gregg is because she has her own reasons for thinking Marina Gregg is a nasty piece of work. But in aggregate, what you see is every single person who is close to her, unless they are under her sway, says, oh, God, I have to work with her again. And I think that's really true. And uh, to back up for a moment, Vincent Hogg is they used to have 
a producer character, which was played by Tony Curtis in the Yes, Ardwin Fenn, and Arden that's what Fenn. we've seen in other films. And, and he but was they, replaced by Vincent. As a gossip columnist. And it works very well. It works just as well as having him as a Hollywood producer. It works. What can I say? It was a good substitute. You don't notice the lack because you still have that wonderfully bitchy Hollywood connection, just in a slightly different way. And he's got Lola as his arm candy, and he is thrilled to pieces with her, and they get along much better than Marina and Jason Rudd do because, you know, you do get the feeling that Lola knows which side her bread is buttered on. And so she is going to be sweet and conciliatory and easy to get along with. And so Vincent is easier to get along with, whereas Marina is always high maintenance. And you watch those scenes with Jason and you think, why did you marry her again? Some Were you just that? Want to be caretakers. Some people want to be caretakers and you fell in love with her movie persona and you want to you're obviously getting something out of it, but it's kind of hard to figure out what it is. Well, it could also be he would be reviving her career. Which is a great career move for him. It's a great career move for him because he's also like 20 years younger, so he's going to have a long career ahead of him. So, you know, it's a good thing for him. It's, I'm assuming he could pull it off. And it, <laughs> by the end <laughs> of the movie. 19 takes. <laughs> You know that by the end of the movie, Nefertiti is not going to take off because Lola Brewster here is also, she is not a rival actress. I mean, she is she's an a actress, but she's not but she's performing not, yeah. in Nefertiti. Yeah, she's not performing in Nefertiti. And that's something, again, depending on which version you see, they sometimes change it a little or a lot. And this is the only version in which Lola isn't on stage with Marina. I'm not sure about the Japanese one. I can't remember. But uh, there was definitely <laughs> Kim Novak and Elizabeth Taylor on stage together. On uh, They were doing um, uh, see, Mary, Mary Queen, Queen of, of Scots, Scots. And they had a very young Pierce Brosnan. Oh. <laughs> a very, very young Pierce Brosnan on screen. Yeah. And with the Joan Hickson one, I can't remember. Claire Bloom was so absolutely forgettable as marina gregg because you know she she's not a movie star she's not a well, star she could still act but she can't act the movie star and i think Lindsay duncan did a better job she did here. a much better job she, she was, really did even though she is not a mega star when you watch her you can understand better why people get out of their sick bed and slap on makeup and go see marina gregg you know why everyone rotates around her like asteroids rotating around the Saturn. You yeah. know, you understand what the gravitational pull is with Lindsay Duncan. She really did a good job. Well, it also helps in the beginning because Miss Marple and her best friend, Dolly Bantry, one of her friends, they went to the movies, so they were seeing Marie Antoinette as portrayed by Marina Gregg. And so we watch them fall under her spell and it transfers to us. Oh, yes. Yeah. It, th there's so much to like about this film, but I still think that uh, Hollywood is never going to say, let Margot Benz say what Agatha had her say in the novel, which is, you're a nasty piece of work and you used us. Yeah. You used us and you don't care. And, you know, this is, again, it shows that Marina Gregg really isn't that intelligent because we talked about it last night when we were walking around the block, how Marina was so angry when she realized that this is the woman who had 
ruined her life, although you could say that Marina did plenty of her own life ruining on her own, but it will never be her fault. If she would have thought for even 30 seconds, she would have never poisoned Heather Badcock. Because whatever else you can say about Heather Badcock, she is a very caring woman. She is an overly caring woman. She's an overbearing woman, but she would never be deliberately cruel. And she was a huge Marina Gregg fan, an enormous fan. And if Marina Gregg had said, because you came to see me at the stage door and broke quarantine, I had a severely handicapped baby. Heather Badcock's, her life would have been over. She would have been devastated. She would have been destroyed because she would have never wanted to harm someone. She wants to take care of people, even if they don't want to be taken care of. But she she's that kind of a person. And she is the kind of person who, if you need somebody to run your FET, if you need somebody to run your volunteer organization, and you need somebody to be on the vestry, and you need somebody to make sure that the garden club is running, you ask Heather Badcock and she'll put it on her list of things to do and it will get done. You need people like this to get things done. Yeah, this was a nice way of introducing her in this story as well, because she lives across the street from Gossington Hall, and Miss Marple came out after she and Dolly had tea with Marina Gregg and fell down in the street. Yeah, she was almost run over by a, 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 a probably Anthony Marsden on his way to <laughs> the <laughs> island. <laughs> almost run over by Anthony Marsden on his way to, uh, and then there were none. And Heather Badcock leaps into action, but she would have been devastated if she would have known what she'd done she had no idea and people do stupid things all the time and you were it is not illegal or criminal to do something basically that's dumb dumb Mm. and thoughtless yeah and everybody says about oh heather badcock is so thoughtless heather badcock this heather badcock that and they take their time to tell you that heather badcock they don't think much of her but they don't do that for marina Gregg because she's a movie star and she's so wonderful and she's so fabulous and so heather badcock who does far more good in the world around her gets slammed well that's pretty realistic I'm afraid it is. I'm afraid it is. See, Agatha Christie is not afraid to just write people as they are, not as they should be. And this is her talent. This is her genius, is to be able to do that because you can reach that conclusion and you'd be right. The the people who maintain systems are never appreciated. Remember there was that, was it a Syrian king or a Persian king? He was well known as being kind of the guy who kept the kingdom running. He was a good administrator and so nobody cared. Yes, he was, a, he was, he was gifted. He wasn't Cyrus the Great who went on campaigns and conquered people and, and made sure that peasants were slaughtered by the thousand no this guy stayed home made the government run made the trains run on time or the wagons or made, whatever made they sure had. that the made roads the were clear of bandits and trade was able to take place and the peasants weren't so taxed that they were starving in their fields he made sure things work and so he gets no respect because hey he was just doing what needs to be done yeah Absolutely. Now, I want to mention as well, we'll go on. I want to go on and mention Joanna Lumley because she is a hoot as Dolly Bantry. Yes, this is her second role because she also played Dolly with a different Miss Marple with Geraldine McEwen in The Body in the Library. And I am still not sure if the Gossington Hall we saw in The Body in the Library is the same as this Gossington Hall. I doubt it. But probably not. (laughs) But she, she is so fun to watch. And she's actually been in three. Agatha Christie pre- 
productions because obviously the body in the library and this one and she was also in the truly dreadful disavowed innocent lies where she plays a radically different role but she's she's fun to watch she is very much fun to watch but she does not do here so much what she did in the body in the library a different script where she's like oh my god isn't she clever oh my god look at jane she's so clever isn't she wonderful oh, where she right. really she just the watson. where she plays the watson to to the point of parody but in this case here she's dolly bantry owned gossington hall after her husband died so she sold it to marina Gregg, and of course during the party she has to go through the rest of the room she grabs her uh, good friend along miss marple's at home resting her ankle after she twisted it so it's fun to see because joanna lumley has comedic talents oh yes and of course if you were walking back into your mansion and gossington hall is a mansion it is an enormous mansion they could probably put 300 people in that house you want to see what the movie's star from hollywood did to the home decor and i seem to remember in the uh, joan hickson one there was a scene where dolly was i was ogling with a couple of other village women what marina Gregg and jason rudd did to the bathrooms they were like oh my god yeah, look at it, that they did it here and they did that here yeah, too although here not quite so sinks. much but they did go into her room and, you know, she pulls uh, one of Marina Gregg's dresses off and poses with it and then hangs it back up. I mean, oh, it's just yeah. really kind of rude, but it's so fun to see her it, do it. It's she fun to see it. And enjoyment. it's so human. It's so very oh, human. You know, of course you want to see what somebody else did to your house. Yeah. And there was another scene they got to talk to uh, Margot Bentz. Uh, Miss Marple and she visited the photographer. Yeah, they and had, visited and the photography part studio. Of it, you do see them posed through the camera lens, which was a big plate, so you could see both of them. And she's striking poses and moving this way and that. And Margot gives her a hat and puts it on her and, and lights a cigarette and says, Okay, now try this. She's actually working with her as a subject, not just taking a picture of them but trying to emphasize it and that's a that's a little scene that shows you that margot benz is a very good photographer yeah she's good at what she does you know she has the eye for it yeah she's wanting to do something of course she's a professional photographer and works for newspapers as a stringer as well so this is the way she operates so she yes she is a very competent uh, photographer and I don't know about that business with the hat and the cigarette. There's nothing really that says anything about it, except maybe she's the dominant one in the uh, relationship with Miss Marple. Is that or or I think Margot was trying to make for a more interesting photograph. Mm -hmm. But I think Margot also might have been smart enough as they're questioning her closely about being at Gossington Hall that these women want to talk to me about this, and I'm not really sure why, but maybe I need to find out more, because, of course, Margot Benz has the guilty secret of knowing that Marina Gregg had adopted her and then threw her away when she was no longer needed. Yeah, and I guess getting back to her story arc, she's there, she's at the Gossington Hall party, she actually shows up on the set of Nefertiti, but we don't really know why she's doing this except just to see if she's recognized by yeah. her adoptive mother. Yeah, she wants to see if no she's payoff. recognized. And then there's no payoff. Margot Benz disappears and you don't even get the payoff of Marina Gregg did the cruelest thing to us that one human being can do to another. You don't even get that payoff. Her story just disappears. Yeah. And that's one of the disappointments of the whole series is, let's see, in the Great Actress Murder Case, that's the Japanese television production. How did that come They handled out? that better. The children had come to a reconciliation. I think not as good as Agatha scripted it, but they came to a reconciliation and they had each other. Right. 
And in that one there, there was also the mention that one of Marina's multiple husbands, he broke up his marriage with his wife and had a son. And then he stopped associating with the son and Marina couldn't accept the stepson as a member of her household, despite her claims that she simply had to have children and she loved children and she needed to have children in her life. But her husband's son by another woman absolutely not get that little brat away from my house mm-hmm. that is one thing that they did here and again they pulled their punches at the end you see uh miss marple reading the adoption story where uh in one of the movie magazines where you see marina Gregg with two young children i'm going to love these children like they're my own she doesn't yeah. it's all a lie actors are professional liars that's what they do yeah. And if they can make you believe what they're doing, what they're saying, then they're good actors. They're good actresses. But you can't believe anything they say. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But this this was a very good episode. I really enjoyed it. I think it's much better than the Joan Hickson one. That was the last one that they filmed. And you could see that Joan was really failing. Yeah. She was like 86 years old and she was tired. Yeah. She just didn't have the energy to perform the role as, as it needed to be. And I don't think the script served her well. And then you have the, like I said, the Angela Lansbury, which you watch solely for Elizabeth Taylor and Kim Novak and Rock Hudson and and Tony Curtis. Of the four, the great actress one is the best. And this is probably number two. Yeah. But this one still, they don't give Margot Vince her due. There's our Miss Marple talking about, you know, how we treat people. And Miss Marple dismisses Heather Badcock, dismisses Margot's pain, and gives Marina Gregg a pass. So, this uh, ends another episode of Agatha Christie, She Watched. You don't want me to rant more about... (laughs) I think 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 we've got got, enough. We can always start it over from the beginning. I think I've beaten a dead actress enough. I'd say so. I'd say so, yes. Uh, We're going to continue with a few more episodes. We're going to go through the books uh, that we have covered with the complete annotated series, like we just did uh, Mysterious Affair at Styles, so we're going to do Secret Adversary, Murder on the Links, Secret of Chimneys, Man in the Brown Suit. And And the mystery of the murder murder of Roger Roger Ackroyd. Yes, that means we have to watch the David Suchet version again. God save us. (laughs) Well, it'll give you something else to rant about, at least. True, 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 true. But thanks for joining us, folks. And uh, remember, we do on our website, Peschel Press, that uh, we list upcoming events. So if you are in the area and can come out and meet us, we are always happy to talk about Agatha Christie. That's right. And we'll see you at the movies. Bye bye. Agatha Christie, she watched, is Teresa Peschel and Bill Peschel, produced by Bill Peschel. New episodes come out every week wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm backslash mystery and leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on Mystery She Watched, email peschel at peschelpress.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to peschel at peschelpress.com. And thank you for listening.